Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business, generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show. Well, you know, Jack, I have changed that three places already. I don't know why it keeps playing Traffic Masters when we're now Leverage Masters. But in any event, welcome, everybody. It's been doing that for so many years that I don't think just a toggle switch is going to get rid of that intro. It's going to take more. We're going to need a hacker. Apparently so. Well, welcome everyone to Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the co-founder of TheLeveragists.com, and we have got a fabulous show lined up for you guys today. We have my partner in crime, Jack Humphrey, the co-founder of The Leveragist, and my partner at Directions University and Divisio, D-U-V-I-S-I-O.com. And Jack, we have got a fantastic guest lined up for everybody. Why don't you tell them about it? We've got none other than Bob Yeager, people. I mean, come on. And it was very, very last minute. So um, I'm just looking over to refresh my Bob Yeager intel, and I'm finding out some stuff I didn't know. Billy Mays? You work with the Billy Mays? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Welcome, Bob. Quite a few years. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why didn't I know that? So that's uh, that's really cool, and uh, you've been let's let's just go fast forward to the things that I know the most about. You've been doing consulting. You write some pretty badass copy. Um, I don't know if that's something that you actually wear on your shirt or if that's just something that comes with it. But that's uh, something I've noticed lately. I can't remember what I read lately exactly, but it was really actually very cool. Yeah, people people ask me from time to time to do it. I, I don't know if I advertise that I write copy. I do it just because I like doing it. That's where I started, actually, was uh, telesales and copy. That's where I started out at. You know. So what are you into these days? What's getting you out of bed in the morning, excited and all bushy-tailed, well, even if you don't get started until 2 o'clock? Well, my kids get me out of bed in the morning. <laughs> That's a really uh, common but, answer here on the show. <laughs> yeah, well, no, uh, just in the past year, we bought a, a small horse farm out in the country. We don't raise horses, but that's what they used to do here. And, um, you know, it just changed the pace, got out of the city, and, and I, I wanted to work a little harder on writing and broadcasting and recording and consulting, and it's quiet here, and it's nice to do that. But uh, mostly um, coaching and consulting with clients and with companies and um you know, obviously the stuff I do with Lee Collins, we're starting a new podcast called T2YL, talk to you later. Um, you know, we do whatever we want, basically, um, and I love that. 
So from day to day, it changes, man. Um, I do whatever is requested of me from, you know, clients. You know, I love it. Has it always been this way? Have you always been so carefree, footloose, and fancy-free? Um, well, to a point. You know, I, I have <laughs> two to three-year stints where I'm like, I'm totally focused on this one path that I want to be on. If it wasn't, you know, the sales industry for a while, it was I was in the engineering and robotics for a while, and then I did martial arts for a long time, music. I played with Pittsburgh Symphony and a bunch of rock bands and stuff like that. Um, it just really depends on what my mood's at for that era of time, right? But yeah. as far as business goes, there's some times where I'm just gung-ho, you know, for a year. I want to spend my time doing this one thing. Uh, but I always go back to writing and broadcasting and coaching uh, simply because I, I love it. I love to teach. I love to write. Um, most importantly, I love to write and make people really kind of question what I write about and be controversial, and I love that. <laughs> well, it gets attention, right? I mean, everything yeah, else is milk toast. Yeah. Well, yeah, what's, what's, so I guess we could start off in a weird way and just, and ask you this, what, what's your first move when you get on a new project, when you get on something new and it's time to get attention for it, what's your first play? What's the first kind of things do you like to do to use as much leverage as possible to get up and running as fast as possible? Uh, usually I start with, um, if, it's, if it's a hot topic, I'm, I'm looking for what most people aren't saying and what they're not teaching, what they're not talking about. Uh, because it's difficult or maybe they're unconsciously competent about doing something and I'm like, well, they're not really showing the whole reality of the picture. And I really want to get into the details of, okay, you know, all that fun, jazzy stuff, that silver bullet stuff's really nice and all, but there's all these other steps that they're not telling you about. you really got to know yeah. about all this stuff. Um, plus, if somebody doesn't want to teach about a topic, maybe it's, I don't know, controversial, too difficult, that's the stuff I like to teach about. And it's simply because it's not sexy, it's not cool, and people say, I don't think that's important. Well, guess what? Most things that are important have been important for the past 10 years, so you better be doing it. And somebody needs to teach you about it. It's really, it has to excite me. If the project doesn't excite me, I'm just kind of like, I don't want to do it. You know, I don't want to do what everybody no. else is doing. So if you're doing something, we know you're excited. He must be really yeah, into this, and we better listen. Yeah, that's it. And you know, when I start out, I don't, I don't start with you know, you know, throwing an opt-in page up and a bunch of ads and creating a product I think everybody's going to love. I really get into the meat of it. I write up a pretty long, extensive, detailed strategic project scope. I probably spend more time writing out the plan than I do actually producing what I need to produce. Because once the plan's written out, everything else just kind of falls in place. Yeah. Well, what goes into your plan? Talk about that a little bit as far as the kind of the key points that you like to hit when you're sitting down and just writing out that outline or however your process works. What's what's that kind of look like? Well, I'll tell you. I, you know, I go through a few steps. First, I do a nice big brain dump, and that has to do with the research that I do. Um, so I'm, I'm a big research guy. I like to find out what everybody's saying about something. Has people been talking about it? Is there published work? And I'm not just saying about it in the IM community or anything like that. Is there a lot of published papers out there about a certain topic? Um, talking about the meat of the substance of everything. 
Um, what's the populace's general take on that particular topic? What's the attitude, emotions behind it? What's the personality of that market? I really like to get into the whole psychology of the whole thing. Once I've done that, I look for the key points. What's, what's the key things, the obvious needed solutions? Um, what are people wanting? Because that's what they buy. And what do they need? That's what we give them after they buy, right? And once mm-hmm. I have that all out, I kind of <clears throat> dump that into a mind map. I look at the mind map and I say, okay, let's audit this thing. Let's get rid of all the filler stuff and let's just focus on the meat. Um, once I've done that, I create a life cycle marketing map, which is kind of like a flow chart of what your entire marketing funnel around that one product line would look like, right? So it has all the different pieces to it. Once I have that flow chart done, which is just like a kind of bird's eye view, I start to go in between each of those pieces, what I call major landmarks, and I start putting the nitty-gritty details all the way down to this is how many emails, this is the subject line, so this is content of the email, here's our delivery system, this is what they see after the delivery of that. These are the links they're going to click through. I really just nail down every single little detail. That's kind of like what me, me and Lee do for companies, too. We nail down all those details. So by the time it's time to start that project, it's steps 1 through 180 start at the beginning and just keep moving forward, just keep getting it done. Yeah. It's really crank time at that point, too. I mean, you have that yeah. 180 steps ahead of you, and – some of those steps aren't uh, toggle switch, <laughs> flipping switches no, no, or anything. There's, that, some, there's some detail in there. Yeah, and that's what we say. You know, it's it's simple process, but simple doesn't mean easy. Uh, there's work involved, right? Um, but if you get that planning stage down and you outline every step along the way and leave room for contingency, contingency plans because you don't know. You might hit a, a road bump that you didn't expect. Um, make sure there's contingency strategies in there. But for the most part, um, do each step, get it done, and if you wrote that plan out, your turnaround time is cut down to a third compared to where most people take months to do something. We can get it done in like 30 days. Um, so to me, it's it should be fun to produce your product. It should be fun to get out there and be in your market and do your marketing. It shouldn't be this grueling experience. So if you have all the groundwork laid, the infrastructure of everything done, you get to have fun with the rest of it. And if I'm not having fun, I'm probably not doing it. Yeah. It's really hard to push things through. I think it's, uh, I think it's different for different people. Some people can really grind when they're not having mm-hmm. fun, they just know they need to get they know they want at least to get something done for some reason they're not having fun at it, and it doesn't seem to bother them, but I think a lot more people kind of are like you and me and Gina for sure that if we're not having fun, if we're not doing what drives us, um that thing's gonna crash and burn at some point and pretty yeah, quickly that's... in our world. Yeah, that's it. And I, you know, I've had a lot of people come to me, and they're like, "Well, it's not all fun. Some of it's boring stuff. Most of it's boring stuff. Most of what you do in marketing and business is just tedious, monotonous, doing the same thing every day. Um, and when you find out that's the case, and you've simplified that process, then teach somebody else to do it for you. And you get to a point where you're profiting. Pay somebody else to do the monotonous, tedious stuff, so you can work on offers and work with talking to people and work with having fun in your business, right?" Yeah. And um, I, I think most people get hung up on all the technical aspects of everything, 
and they don't give their they they forget why they started a business. We didn't start a business just so we can make a ton of money. We started a business so we can do the things we want with the people we want to do it with, right? And yeah. If you're not doing that, exactly. if it's all about measuring the money every day or measuring the traffic every day or measuring I got to get this work done or this content done or whatever, then then it's too much like work at that point, man. <laughs> you <know>? Right. <laughs> So when you and Lee are doing uh, funnels and, and setting up people's marketing for clients, I know that it crosses your mind pretty quickly. How can we get the biggest result for these guys with the least amount of work on our part because of what you just said, right? And you guys have connections in some, with some of the clients. It's easier than others because they're in an industry that's closely or in where you guys are really well connected and in others you got to go find that leverage, but how, how much do you think about that? What are some of the strategies that you use um, to, to find the leverage for somebody so you can get them one big outcome with the least amount of effort and they think you're a rock star? Well, it, it comes down to a few things. It's not, not every client wants the same thing. Sometimes they think they do, but they don't. Um, like some people might say, I want a funnel. Okay, well, why do you want the funnel? Well, I, I want to get more leads. Okay, so actually what you really want is more leads. Why do you want more leads? Well, because I want to make more sales more often. Oh, okay, so what you really want is more sales. Yes, okay. So you don't actually need the funnel. You actually don't need the leads. You actually just need more sales. That's what you're looking for. Yeah, okay, well, then let's work on that. Let's forget about all the extra stuff. Let's see if we can make more sales without doing all that stuff. So phase one is pay us to help you get more sales right? We do that. You recoup on your investment. Now we can work on phase two, which is set up that infrastructure and, you know, make things more long-term, more evergreen for you, more hands-off for you, right? So there's been plenty of times I walked into a situation, people wanted this big, elaborate funnel with all their products in it and all this stuff, and I find out they have a list of, like, you know, 46,000 active customers, and I'm like, oh, hey, why don't we just sell them those people that just bought from you, why don't we just sell them one more thing? <laughs> and you'll go beyond your sales quota for the year, right? And yeah. people don't look at it that way. And they say, well, wait, I want to build a bigger list and have more leads. I'm like, okay, so you want to spend more money on ads. You want to spend more money on getting leads. And then you want to spend more money on fulfillment and delivery. Why don't we just start with selling to the people you already have? And while we're doing that, we can build the infrastructure for the other stuff, right? But yeah. mo most of the time, when, you know, I think a lot of people think we stick with one industry or whatever it may be. I've always been one. We have the research skills to be able to work in any industry we want to work in. I was just talking to a political guy that does political campaigns and stuff. Um, I've written political speeches. I've done health and nutrition. I've done robotics and engineering. I've done got multi-million dollar landscaping firms. It doesn't matter. If, if, if it's a marketable product or a marketable process, I can find the information to do the marketing. So it, it doesn't really matter. And I think people get too hung up on this. Well, I learned a lot of information about this niche, so I'm going to market in this niche because I know a lot about it. You know what? Start to experiment with other niches. Go out there and play a little bit. Enjoy yourself, right? You know, put your focus on the one thing that makes you the most profit, but don't be afraid to expand into different areas because if you don't, 
you have to make a decision. Am I a business owner or am I an entrepreneur? A business owner usually has one one kind of solid focus on that one specific niche, basically, in that one specific storefront, whether it's a website or brick and mortar. We're an entrepreneur. We take risks and we experiment. We have our hands in a lot of different pots, right? So you have to yep. decide which one do you want to be. Do you want to be that central-focused business owner, which there's nothing wrong with that, or do you want to be an entrepreneur? And for all of you that are just starting out and you decided to quit your job and start this business that you don't have money to start because you think if you use the Internet, it won't cost you anything, you need to go back and get your job back, keep getting your paycheck, <laughs> and work your business part-time until it makes money for you, right? until it replaces your income. Go back and beg for your job. You, you need that back. I was... I was under the influence. I was uh, I go. I was having a bad day. <laughs> Make up whatever you need to. Yeah, a lot of my students will tell you over the past, you know, 20 years that I I've said, why did you quit your job? Why don't you go back to your job? Or some people are like, I need to make some extra money, but I'm working on this project in my business and it's going to take too long, and I'm afraid I'm going to go broke. And I'm like, so go find a part-time job. Quit being a slacker. Go do what it takes to pay for your house, to pay for your home, to pay for your livelihood. And do these other things part-time. There's a, a model that I always use. And it's a 2X model. Okay? This is what I tell people. When you start your business and you're still bringing in your current revenue, your first goal is, is to bring in a year's worth of what your current revenue is and get it in the bank. Okay? So you still have your monthly revenue coming in, and you have a year's worth of that in the bank. <clears throat> now your next goal is, is to get another year's worth of that revenue in the bank while you're still bringing in that current revenue, okay? So you have your current revenue and two times that annual amount in the bank. Now your next goal is, is to replace that monthly revenue by either increasing it or replacing it, you know, break even basically. So now you've replaced that revenue. You've got 2x in the bank. Guess what? Now you've reached financial freedom. You can keep on working on your business. If you haven't done that before you quit your job, you're setting yourself up for disaster. Man, you, you just it. broke yeah. down Tony Robbins' 750-page book in uh, two minutes. Nice job. <laughs> <laughs> well, well it, it, it's a sensible model. You know, I mean, over the years, I, yeah, I had cancer for eight years, and I was broke through that time because I didn't have medical insurance and all that stuff. I know Gina went through medical stuff too, and we know what it's like to spend millions of dollars on medical bills and be broke at the end of it, basically. And but through that process, I was never, I, I was broke on paper. I was broke as paychecks came in. They they were going out as soon as they came in, basically. But I was always smart enough to take all that extra cash or work extra jobs or work extra this or that to put money aside to invest in real estate or invest in stocks or whatever it may have been to to kind of pave a legacy for myself. And when I put that money away, I pretend it doesn't exist. But also, I learned how to say, you know, if I'm doing this certain thing in business to achieve this extra profit, I identify what that profit's for. So let's just take an example. A couple years ago, it was my wife's 30th birthday. She wanted a Land Rover, right? I could afford to just go out and buy her Land Rover. But I said, no, I'm going to create a profit model for the Land Rover. It's specifically for that. I'm not taking from my current revenue. I'm not taking from my savings or my investments. I'm going to create a profit center just to pay for that thing that she wants because it's this extra thing. So I always say I don't pay for all my extra stuff my customers do. Hmm. 
Gina, did you hear that? I did. <laughs> I figured you might want to have your little say in that one. Oh, just go ahead, Jack. Okay. <laughs> Gina's got a Gina's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Gina's got a, a thing like just like that. If anything new comes up, um there's a there's a profit model or I'll have that paid off in twenty four hours with something new that has to be created to come in. Or a new sale or a at the very least some sort of a um you know, a deal uh, that goes out to the list and says, Hey everybody you can grab this thing now for this amount and sometimes people don't know that's for a little extra thing. But that's precisely oh, it, what it is sometimes. <laughs> it, it's funny. Years ago, my family ran a bunch of cemeteries. We managed and ran a bunch of cemeteries. And that was the family business, basically. One year, my dad said, our tractor is about to go. We need a new tractor. And I'm like, all right, screw it. So I went online. And, you know, I do marketing and stuff. And I, I told my group of consulting clients, I'm like, hey, this is going to sound fun, kind of funny to you, but my dad wants a new tractor. Now, I could go buy him a new tractor, and I could take money out of the bank and all this stuff, but I figured if we got a new tractor, I could provide you with some value. So here, here's how this is going to work. The tractor's fifteen grand. i am going to work with five people at five grand apiece because that puts me over the cap, and I'm going to teach you all these things you've been begging me to teach you for the past two years. I'm going to spend a year doing that, one-on-one or in groups, whatever it was. It was like in three days I made the money. I bought my dad's tractor. Right? And people got a kick out of it. They're like, hey, we bought your dad a tractor, right? <laughs> but people people don't realize it's it's there's gonna be a lot of people that say, Well, hey, I'm broke right now and I can barely get by and now you're telling me to create extra profit centers for the stuff I want. No, in that situation I'm telling you to stop buying extra stuff. Quit planning on extra yeah. stuff. Quit planning on all this, this crap that you're buying and you're spending your money before you even have it in your pocket, right? You get to. It's privileged to be able to say, I'm going to create this extra profit model, pay for this extra vacation or this dream home that I want or whatever it may be. But until you've stabilized your revenue and made it sustainable and scalable, you don't get that privilege yet. You haven't gotten yourself to the point there yet. Right? Now, it's not saying sacrifice and don't dream big and don't plan on things that you'd really love to have. What I'm saying is get yourself to scalable, sustainable, stable revenue. Because revenue is things that we use to grow more money. It's not income. Get yourself to that point, and then you get to create those other profit models, right? But if you've got to pay the yeah. mortgage and you're too, too much behind, or you're behind on your utilities, or you don't have much food in your house, or your daughter needs those braces, then you shouldn't be trying to create a profit model to buy yourself a new sports car, okay? You should be taking care of those things first, right? Yeah. I think there's too much of that that money dream hype in all of our industries, whether it's sales, consulting, marketing, work at home, whatever it may be, MLMs. There's this, this sales money hype that everybody's just like, you can have the dream. Like, well, okay, but first, you know, hey, just first, take care of your regular life and build upon that to create your dream life. Because by the time you make that money, by the time you get there, your dream life's probably going to look a little bit different than you thought it would. Like all of us, we thought we wanted the big houses and the fancy cars and the exotic vacations. And at the end of the day, dude, I love my little ranch home sitting on 16 acres with my barn 
with the cats running around and the kids playing in the backyard. I've been to the place where I had the, the four-story luxury home and all that stuff. And guess what? It was stressful and it sucked to me. Every moment of it sucked. It was just another thing. It was always something that was just, uh, i got to keep, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, make sure I can get this paid for, make sure I'm, I'm you know, doing the same thing all the neighbors are doing. And just, now I just do whatever the hell I want to. Nobody can tell me any different. But most importantly, if something was to happen to me, I know that my wife and my kids can maintain this lifestyle without me. Because at the end of the day, a lot of us are our businesses. If something happened to us, did we leave a legacy for our family that they could continue that on? My kids are little. My wife's a child psychologist. She wouldn't be able to keep going doing what I'm doing, right? So I have to say, if I'm gone, is she going to be able to sustain this lifestyle, her livelihood? And I know the answer is yes, because the house is paid for. It's simple to maintain. It's a nice, easy way of living. The kids are in a nice area. And there's not going to be this extra expense that's like, you know, millions and millions of dollars to keep everything going. She could work. Uh, she could work at a gas station and still pay for the stuff that we got to pay for. And that's the way you want to get yourself set up. If you're not around anymore, will your family be able to keep on with that livelihood? Right? It's important. It sounds like you've figured out really the most important things in life. Because <laughs> that's, well, uh, you know, it's something. And you slam right into the face of, um, you know, when you get some money, you start to realize what a line of crap you've been sold on oh, you know yeah. what you thought you want and then you realize damn i think that was as as little as a magazine ad or you know a picture somewhere or some hype on a sales letter that really actually made me want that now that i'm here i don't want that <laughs> mm-hmm. yep and it's not saying you shouldn't shoot for bigger things or enjoy those bigger things i mean always, always shoot for your best i mean it's like the boy scout motto do your best right and my thing is is your best doesn't have to be this this celebrity lifestyle and all and trust me when I say I, I know a lot of celebrities that wish they didn't have the celebrity lifestyle right if that's something you strive for and that's your personality and you really want to achieve that then damn go go achieve that sure right but, but careful what you wish for right always have the infrastructure set up so you can simplify you should be able to scale everything if I have this big, luxurious life like I had for years, I should be in, in, in a moment's thought be able to scale that down and say, you know what, I don't want that busyness anymore. I don't want that big adventure anymore. I, I just want simple right now. I should be able to immediately start to scale that down over the next few months. And then I should be able from there to say, you know what, I want that back. So I should immediately be able to scale that back up over the next few months, right? And that's why I could talk about scalable and sustainable revenue. Not these quick hits. You see product launches people do. I made a million-dollar product launch, $2 million product launch. Yeah, and I've seen people go broke right after because they're new lottery winners, basically. Right? Mm-hmm. They didn't scale it. It wasn't evergreen, and it wasn't sustainable. You know, those things are meant to create that extra kick for your business or to create that that new vehicle of what your next evergreen venture is going to be. They're not meant to be this thing that lasts for two weeks and then it's over. It's meant to be a catalyst for that next phase in your business, right? Or it's meant to be a catalyst for that next part of life you want to invest in. But it's not meant to be just this quick hit and then you're going to live off of it for the next two years. Because you'll find out in two years nobody knows who you are 
and it's going to take you forever to get started back up again. I know a Ooh, lot of broke. Why don't I know that? Launchers, <laughs> man. There's a lot of yeah. broke million dollar launchers out there, and at this stage in my life, I don't make as much money as I did when I was 30. I don't. I don't even try to. But I can. I can make a change over the next three months and get back there if I wanted to. And I know that because I've created scalability in my life and my business. And I, I think that's the missing component. When you're learning about success, you're learning about work at home, you're learning about Internet marketing or selling, the biggest element is nobody's teaching you about the life stuff. And it's because we weren't given a handbook when we were born to learn how our brains and our lives work, right? And what you have to start yeah. realizing is there's a, there's a thing in NLP and um, – if you don't mind me rambling on for a couple minutes here. Are you um, kidding me? Go for it. <laughs> there's a thing in NLP, psychology, and hypnosis. It's called the map is not the territory. Okay? And I'll explain that. Throughout our lives, either we or other people, authority figures, help us create these filters in our mind. It makes us see the world in a certain light. Okay? So those of us that were raised blue-collar, you know, parents living paycheck to paycheck. They didn't really have a whole lot of money. The filters that were put in our mind was be very careful because you don't know when you're going to make enough money to clean up your mistakes, basically, right? You're going to make every dollar count. Those were the filters that I grew up with, all right? Then when I was in high school, you know, I met, you know, very, very successful people like Henry Hillman. He's one of the wealthiest people in the world, let alone the United States, and he taught me things about life and business, and he was one of the, you know, relatives of the Carnegie. So he really had that part of things down. So he taught me that stuff. And then when I met Billy, he taught me about the, the fast-paced world of sales and how if you were a sales guy, you could always decide when you were going to get a raise. That was up to you. It wasn't up to a boss, right? So I had all these different mentors throughout my life teach me about those different phases of life. So I always was creating these new filters around what money is, what does it look like, what does success look like, what does health and personal well-being look like. And those filters allowed me to see the territory, the real territory, not my interpretation of the map. Most people that are starting off, say, in Internet marketing or in business, they're seeing a map of the world that somebody else created that's not based upon their current filters. So when... Let's say you teach somebody a course, Jack, or Gina teaches somebody, and you've had thousands of successful students, okay? And then there's that, that group of 10,000 more that they just don't seem to be able to get over the hump. They can't figure it out. And they're like, your stuff doesn't work. What the hell is going on here? Well, it worked for these other 1,000 people. Why isn't it working for them? Because your map didn't work with their filters. We have to shut those filters off first help them create new filters before they can see the actual territory, not their interpretation of what the map looks like. And that's a lot of work for a lot of coaches and stuff to do. They're like, holy shit, I don't know how to do that. It's really simple. Show them what you do. Let them look over your shoulder. Teach them exactly what you do. Don't do things unconsciously confident. Pay attention to every step that you take to make things happen. When you make mistakes or you have to create contingency plans or you have to learn to be more resourceful when you don't have enough resources, teach them that stuff. Show them when that's happening. It doesn't have to be in your courses, in your email newsletters. Hey, 
you know, I did this launch, and I thought it was going to be really big, and here's how we bombed the launch, and here's how we're recovering from it. And people are like, well, wait, we don't want to tell people we bombed the launch. No, tell them. Tell them. Yeah. Those people are going to become more successful as a result of your mistakes. They're going to learn from that. They're going to create new filters, and they're going to see the actual map of the actual territory instead of the map that they've created in their minds. It reduces frustration, it creates reality, and it shows people a real path to success when we start to remove it, break down those filters, and let them see the actual territory. So there's my rant. Okay. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, something that we wrote in the Leverage Black Book uh, about everything that was created before us, before we got started in business, before we there was already business. There was already a way that money moved, and there was always already a way that was the acceptable way that people sold things and bought things and how we ran our businesses and everything. So I think it's really funny when people, you know, jump out of their cubicles or wherever they're running from, and they run right into a big old fat mess and bring a lot of their stuff with them, a lot of that map mm-hmm. that they thought they had to read because that was the map they bought at the store. <laughs> and they buy everything on it. They know this means turn right and everything else, but they don't they don't think about that. And now they've got a business and they probably come to you and Lee and they certainly have come to us and they've got all these things going on that are from the world they ran away from. And they don't even notice. Yep. They think that's because that's the map that everybody or that's the game board that everybody's playing on and there's no alternative to it. Which I think is fascinating that we kind of do that to ourselves because we'll, we'll make business cards. I'm an entrepreneur now. I am my own boss. I can do whatever I want. So let me get down to business and start doing what everybody else wants me to do. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. And apparently they didn't sit back and look at their boss and wonder why he was going gray so quick and why he was in a bad mood all the time. <laughs> right? Yeah, they just thought he was a jerk. Well, why, is he, why was he a jerk? <laughs> yeah, Maybe he had it. to put up with you the whole time. <laughs> There's something I told Lee a while back. It was a couple months ago. I said, I, I don't want to build a bunch of marketing systems for people. We do that, obviously. Um, I, don't, I don't want to build websites and do a bunch of traffic stuff all the time. Here's what I want to teach them how to do is how to create their map. I want to teach them how to create their map. Everything else falls into place. Um, I want to teach them how to, to build their stuff. And if they don't have the time or they have the resources to pay to have it built, that's fine. But I want them to know all those moving parts. I want them to understand what they are. That's when they, that, so when they go out and hire somebody to do that stuff, they know they're hiring people for the right stuff, right? They know they're getting value for their dollars, okay? Yeah. A business owner is supposed to know how the machine works. But just because he knows how it works doesn't mean he's going to build the machine, all right? That, that's not the way this all works. Know how everything functions. Know everybody's place. Know how it works. And know how to find, be resourceful enough to find the right people to put those things into place or to fight the, find the right tools or software or whatever it may be. And that's the biggest issue. People feel like they're stuck because they don't have the resources. I, I don't know how many times I've said this. I've found, I caught myself saying, I don't really have the ad dollars right now to run that promotion. Well, that's just a really limited way of thinking. I'm thinking about resources where I should think, be thinking about, wait a minute, I'm more resourceful than, than that. How can I create the way to make that happen until I get the ad revenue in place, right? How can I get yeah. the ball rolling? So we need to learn to be more resourceful and stop, stop relying so much on resources that we don't have, right? 
And that's where people get stuck. Well, I'll do that when I have the money, or I'll do that when I have the ability to, or I'll do, you know, it's it's always if if I ever I'll make this happen. Well, I always say if this, then this. If this is the situation you're facing and you don't have the resources, then I need to find out a way to do it at a smaller level to build up to be able to get those resources, right? So take my time, be patient, do my due diligence, and you know what? Go back to the American way, man. Sweat a little bit and do some work. Get busy, right? Yeah, so many people there's always that. Place in here, man. Yeah. But I look back at the MLMers. Those are my, that was one of my favorite groups of business people of all time, and it, it's for the weirdest reason. You get, try to get somebody to sign up for an MLM, and they're like, I don't want to pay for that, or I don't have the money. And people are like, well, they just don't want to pay for this stuff. That's not it. That's not it. You're asking people that are working a 9-to-5 job, who's tired of working that 9-to-5 or 9-to-6 or 80-hour you know, work week. You're asking them. In their mind, this is their filter. You're asking them to pay to have a job. That's the way they see it. They don't see it as having a business. They see it as you're asking them to pay money to get a paycheck. And they're kind of like, well, why should I have to pay to get a paycheck? Because their filters, their beliefs don't make them understand, well, no, actually you're investing in a business model, like a franchise opportunity basically, right? So they, they just don't comprehend that. And as a new MLMer, if you're starting to recruit and you're, you're out there trying to get people into your network and thing, here, here's the problem you're going to face. You don't even know what it takes to advertise, generate leads, do marketing. You know, that whole, they say MLM. Well, here's the thing, folks. It's multi-level marketing. Marketing. Mm -hmm. Part of marketing is sales. Part of marketing is advertising. Part of marketing is just value generation, just for the sake of getting your name out there, getting your business out there, getting your message out there. But it's marketing. And every business in the world cannot survive without the marketing machine. Sales is not a standalone thing. Advertising is not a standalone thing. Lead gen is not a standalone thing. They all fall under the guise of the system of marketing. You have to create a marketing system. Not just those tactics. Yep. Sales is a tactic. Right, that's all it is. It's I think a lot of the, the I, yeah, and a lot of people get into that and go, oh God, I hate marketing. But these guys are telling me I don't really have to do that much of that kind of stuff. I just have to tell three people. It's really elegant, and then they just tell three people. That's how those guys get around the really, really big and scary topic of what you just said. <laughs> they try to make it yeah. seem like it isn't even there. We had an MLM. Um, me and a couple old business partners uh, back in 2008 or 9, I think it was. And in the first two months, we recruited 3,600 people. Okay? Each one of those people recruited as much or, as, or more than us through what we taught them. We spent most of our time teaching them marketing, basically. Right? Our group of people stayed with us for four years until that company shut down. Literally, every single person we personally recruited stayed with us for four years. We were like, how did you do All that? Right. Because we taught them how to market. We weren't just teaching them about that business opportunity or to sell that product or to call their friends and family. We taught them how to be self-sufficient that even if that company was to shut down, which the writing was on the wall, we could all see it. 
even if that was to happen, you still had your leads, you still had your customers, you still had your list and your marketing funnel because you branded you and not the company. You created a business of you instead of a business of somebody else's company. You didn't give it all away. So over that four-year period, those people learned to create something of their own. Now they're marketers. They are product creators. They are distributors or MLMers or coaches or consultants or strategists or whatever, and they have something that still goes on today. You know, how many years later? Ten years later almost, right? But the people that didn't pay attention, you know what they're doing right now, Jack? Same thing they were doing when they started, trying to figure out where the money's going to come from next month, right? But yeah, I, I want. I think the big reality for a lot of folks that are listening to pay attention to is, and I, I want to say this, I've been doing this for over 20 years now, all of this stuff, right? You've been doing it for a long time. Gina has. Lee has. We've all been doing this for a really long time. Now, here's the thing. We all face one moment or another where we are completely flat broke, People are like, what? Frank Kern wouldn't say that. Well, listen, Frank Kern did say that. The FTC came in and stripped him of everything he freaking had. We all face that moment where it's like, oh, shit, everything's gone. What are we going to do? Right? And we always get back on top. And it's because you can't take those skill sets, that knowledge, or our list away from us. You just can't take those things away. So we can be back on top in a matter of days or a matter of months. But the thing is, every time that happens, and it happens more than once, it always does. You get stuck, you get stagnant, life happens. My dad died. I took nine months off and had to get back in the game. I know what it's like, okay? What we all have in common is we plan for those situations. We don't expect them. We don't want those things to happen, or we don't walk around every day saying, oh, I hope this doesn't all fall apart. No, but we're ready for it. If it happens... And sometimes it seems terrible when it does happen. We're like, okay, well, we said that could happen. What was our plan? What's the plan that we have in place just in case that happens? It's that backup plan, right? And that's where people are really – I see so many young entrepreneurs today, especially Internet marketers, are doing the million-dollar launches or doing the JV stuff, and they're doing their vacations and their Vegas parties and all that stuff. I'm like, oh, guys, wait until you're 40 years old and you got two kids coming after you for – dance funds and Boy Scouts and college tuition and all these things that are going to crop up, and you're going to like, oh, shit, where'd all the money go? Now what am I going to do? I'm going to have to have now another launch. And the, yep. How many launches do you think a, an average, fairly motivated person has in them in their lifetime? Because you've been through it. You know lot. what it's like. And it, it takes years off your life to do what, what Alex Mandosian is doing right now. Those guys yeah, are, I, are, I don't think he slept for a month. Well, I, I think I'm in the in the boat where a lot of those guys are, where you're seeing them all come back. Like John Reese is coming out with a new traffic, traffic Secrets launch, right? And quite honestly, most of the industry as it stands right now doesn't know who John Reese is. So it's not the same as yeah. when he first did his first Traffic Secret. You know, they had the big syndicate, the big push, the, the all these people that were just kind of like, well, John's the traffic guy. He was the one guy doing all that stuff. And that's why that launch was so super successful in the beginning, because nobody else was teaching all that stuff, right? Now everybody and their yeah. brother's out there teaching traffic, so he's got to work a bit harder, because he took a lot of time away from the industry, right? But you're seeing a lot of these guys come back to the surface, 
And I'll I'll guarantee you, even they are saying, "Wow, this launch is a lot harder than it used to be," right? And it's because oh, the yeah. market's getting a bit bit more saturated. And and actually, they have to reignite their credibility in their careers. A lot of guys don't realize that <clears throat> what they're teaching today. A lot of these young guys. Um, I can probably name the five people that created those methods and tell you that you're teaching it half-assed. You have no idea, right? But most of us, like Alex and like a lot of other people, uh, look around, folks. We haven't done a a major launch probably in about eight years. There's a reason why. (laughs) We're still riding the first launch, right? We're still riding that that train because we want it to last as long as possible. It wasn't about closed-ended launches. It was like the launch allows us to do this next step, this next step, this next step, this next step, and we had a five-year plan in place or ten-year plan in place or a three-year plan in place. We're still riding that first launch where everybody else that does did their launch last month, month is thinking about the next launch they're going to do with the next JV partner. Those are called closed-ended launches. Closed-ended yeah. launches will burn you out, will wear you out, will make you hate what you're doing. And if you don't get your books straight, you're not doing your W-9s properly and doing your affiliate tax payouts and your, your accounting and you don't have a good CPA in place, guess what? It's going to come back and bite you in the ass so hard. You're going to feel it for the next 10 years. All right? Well, but if you look at a launch... That. It also creates a very unstable cash flow in your business, big time. That's it. That launch of your mentality. <clears throat> That's it. And there was a method I, I, I told um, Alex Jeffries years ago. He was writing a book, and I did a quote in his book. And he said, how do you, how do you look at money? And I said, well, I look at first the industry that I'm in. And I say, this isn't an industry, this is a community. And in any good community, if you take out of the economy, you have to put back in. If you're going to take out of the well, you've got to recontribute back to it. Okay? What a lot of people do in the IM industry is they take all these big funds out of the well with a product launch, and then they go invest it in real estate or wherever. Right? They're taking money out of the community, and they put it into another community. Well, if you do that enough times, guess what happens to your community? Because broke, it gets burned out, and that's why the four-stage product launch or the two-week product launch isn't nearly as effective as it used to be. It's not nearly as big of a hit as it used to be. That's why you're seeing a lot of warrior special offers and the JVZoo promotions and the close-ended launches, because people are just trying to get as many big hits as they possibly can throughout the year, and they don't even realize. When I worked with Aerotech way back when, we did a launch for a big robotic machining uh, kind of service thing. But, folks, their launch was $2.8 billion in profit. Profit. Hmm. $2.8 billion. Okay? When you see a health and nutrition company start up, and they're in 5,000 locations around the United States, they just did a $2 million annual increase in their revenue. Not one hit. Annually. And they, can use, they will use that money to grow it even further, right? So when you're doing your launches, think to yourself like Josh Bartlett does. When Josh launched Easy Video Player, man, he rode that for years. Then Easy Video Suite, he rode that for years. Then Odello, and he's still riding that. There's a reason why he can do that.
because that launch was the catalyst for the next evergreen portion of his business. Stable, scalable, sustainable, and he thought about customer support infrastructure and everything else that went along with it, right? You can really, if you guys pay, if everybody pays attention, not YouTube, I know YouTube knows this, but everybody pays attention, you can see the people that are going to be around for a long, long time. You can see the people that got their game together because they're not doing launch after launch after launch after launch. They're riding that wave. They got a plan, and it seems like they're always on top of their game. It's because they created stability, scalability, and sustainability. And, yeah, it can be difficult to create that plan if you've never done it before. And you're going to make mistakes, and you're going to get burned, and you're going to fall down. But you get back up, and you keep on doing it until you stabilize it, right? So your next launch is not a plan. It's more than that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Your next launch is part of a plan. It's part of a long-term objective. Um, and yeah. honestly, if you're planning three launches this year, then you're not giving the customers of any one launch the attention that they deserve. That's really what it comes yeah. down to. A, la a launch is going to generate a lot of new customers, a lot of new support, a lot of new value that you're going to have to contribute in exchange for them staying dedicated customers and talking about your products publicly. So you have to realize that with that launch comes this responsibility of you've just generated this community of people that really want to love you. Now you have to give them a reason to and show them that you care about well, them too. Yeah. The thing is you can plan you're going to have three launches and you can plan that you're going to take care of people properly after each one, but talk to me after you've had that first launch and you've done yeah. a month or two of that really stellar over-delivery, and tell me about your next launch. I want to hear all about that because I know you're not going yeah, to have that, it. You can't, that's you can't it. do it. That's it. That's absolutely right. You know, we, we used to joke around, me and a couple of my old business partners are like, you know what, maybe we should do a launch. And I'm like, I don't have the time to love people that much. <laughs> like what are you talking about? Oh so man, really, that's a meme. We have a meme yeah, Chris, I, I, uh, in our ranks, and she turns a lot of stuff like that into uh, little memes. And I'm guaranteeing you that's going up at Facebook today. <laughs> yeah, just quote me on it, right? <laughs> but but it's true. There, I I have a family, and I have um, extended family, and I have friends, and I want to spend time with those people, and I want to give them my undivided attention. So I'm sorry. But sometimes in my business, I don't have the time to spread that love to 10,000, 20,000, a million other people, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying this for a good reason. I don't want to cheat those people. They deserve that attention, right? So what I've done in the past was I've called up somebody that loves doing launches and they love getting those things out there and they love doing all that marketing and everything. And I'd say, here, I'm going to create this product and I'm going to give it to you. You do the marketing, you do the affiliate stuff, you do everything. Just give me 20% and I want the list. I want to share the list, so I want it to go into my autoresponder too, and I want 20% of the revenue. After affiliate payouts, everything. That's your product. You put your label on it, and this is what I want out of that. But I'm not doing any of that other stuff because I don't have the time to love those people. <laughs> and I just sit there and let things happen, man. And you know what? If they fall down on that launch, if they don't make profit from it because they didn't do their due diligence, then it didn't work out for anybody. But what did it cost me? 
Yeah. What did it cost me? It didn't cost me my reputation. It didn't cost me my energy. It didn't cost me time away from my family. And people are like, yeah, but you gave up 80% of your, your revenue. If you know how launches work, you'll know that's not true. I made more profit not doing anything in that launch than I would have if I was doing the launch. Yeah. Because that 20% just means I get 20% payout no matter what's going on. I don't have to handle customer support or anything. I don't have to pay for all that overhead, right? So I, I, I compel people to realize that when you launch, a launch is the catalyst for everything you're going to do for the next three, five, ten years. Don't, don't yeah. plan on all the other new stuff. It's the start of a beginning of something bigger than that original launch. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't uh, know about you, man, but that, that sets the context for what you're going to do every day for the next few years, and you don't have to wonder where the money is going to come from. Exactly. Stability. And, uh, yep. yeah, man, it, I look back at my younger self and I think about, um, you know, my biggest launch, my biggest thing, uh, and how not this way I was thinking. <laughs> I mean, yeah. just in no way whatsoever was I thinking like this. I'm like, money, let's go to Vegas. You described me to a T back then. And, and uh, man, I let the momentum run out. Now, I think that's the biggest, biggest thing ever. The lesson well, that I have learned ever is letting the momentum die when it didn't have to. I just let it die. And... Well, Getting it back and starting from a dead stop sucks. Yep, well, there's a reason why most people let their momentum die, and it, it's such a simple thing, but it's what everybody's selling out there. You know, perform at your peak, be at your peak, blah, 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 peak, 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 peak. I got ten times. for you. I worked, in, I worked in engineering for a long, long time. We worked on a lot of machines that would run for thousands of hours on end. There was never a peak time those machines run. They ran consistent lowest amount of energy to do the biggest amount of work. That's what they did. They did not run at their peak. The reason why, because as soon as they started running at their peak, guess what would happen? They'd break down. There was a moment where they would break down. Running at your peak and running on willpower alone are two of the rarest forms of energy on the planet. They're short-lived. <laughs> they create these big hits, but guess what? You can't sustain it. You can't keep going like that. You're going to burn yourself down. You're going to break down. When I was sick, I had cancer. Every six months, doctors were saying, you're going to die in six months, right? I didn't have time to think about uh, what's the next new thing I'm going to do. No, I, had, I only had time to finish a plan, to make a plan and keep going on that plan and keep working towards that plan. And my plan was to survive, to live, right? And when I recovered from that, I said, that's what business is. It's about sustainable longevity, leaving a legacy, surviving, living, and making sure that I can always survive and live from this, always. And anybody else I choose to bring into my life, well, i got to up my game just a little bit more, take it up another notch so I can help them sustain, live, survive, and experience things, right? So there's always this, you're graduating you know when you can't to take the it? level. Yeah, you know when you can't take it up another notch? When you're running at your peak already? Yep, that's, <laughs> that's it. it. You're you got no more peak, There's nowhere to go. Well, that's just like in sales. Yeah. People say, people say, you know, start your sales at a low price and work your way up to big. I say, nice. No, hit it with the big price first. People are like, why? I'm like, because you can't go up from down. 
just like with peak, you can't go any further past peak. And the sales, yeah. is, it's, it's the opposite. You can sell down from the top level, but you can't sell up. If somebody says, I can't afford $57, try to sell them on 50000 after that, okay? It's not going to happen, all right? Yeah. But if you're running at your peak all the time, day in, day out, that's only going to last for a very short period of time. You're going to need some downtime. And when the dust settles and the smoke clears and you've gotten your rest, you're going to stand back up and say, okay, I'm ready to get going. Everybody else has moved beyond you. They're already gone. They've forgotten about you because you didn't stay consistent. You lost your momentum. Yep. You lo- lost the public eye. You lost the eye of your customer. And they know that. They've and seen that's it. not they saw something you, you want to do. Down. Nope. you got to yep. stay consistent with everything. Heck, you can just you could you, you could come up with a million stories with celebrities who were in a big band in the 80s, and then they started eating donuts and got fat, and then they started missing what was going on in the 80s without the drugs. I want to try that now, and now nobody cares. And yep. then you start going on tour in these little little towns like I live in, you know, uh, white snakes coming through. <laughs> That was always sad. I never wanted to go see those bands because I was so sad because I didn't want to remember them in any other way than their glory days. I didn't want to see them slumming around some some bar that I go to in my little town. They should be in, you know, stadiums. I'm not going. But that 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 happens to everyone. Brett Michaels was just at JV Zoo, and he, he looks fit, and he looks healthy, and he's an older guy. He grew up around the same area I did. Well, people are like, man, how does he sustain that, right? Well, because he's a diabetic, so he couldn't drink and do the drugs and all that stuff. He didn't get lost in that world. A lot of his bandmates did. That's why Poison's not around anymore, right? But Brett's still on top because, and he's he's probably more wealthy now than he was when he was in that big band, okay? But it's because his health wouldn't allow him to fall into those traps. He had to be very disciplined, or he'd die. He was, you know, he's full-blown diabetic, right? And then if yeah. you look at someone no like donuts. Axel Rose, Axel Rose's band. I knew you knew who I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, he was on top of the world, but he was always late for practice, doing drugs, drinking all that stuff. Now he's overweight and bloated, and he has the opportunity of a lifetime to become the new frontman for ACDC. And the first thing he does when he gets back into the mode is he's late for practice all the time. So they kick him out of the band before he even gets started. And that's what's going to happen to these folks. If you're always late to the game, if you're always trying to work at your peak, if you're always getting burned out and doing your own thing and being all over the place and everything, guess what, folks? When you come back into the game, everybody else has already surpassed you. It's going to be short-lived again, and you're going to have that big lull period, that big stagnation period over and over and over and over again. you got to think about business as this. It's value creation. If you are creating the best level of value that you can without burning yourself out, without burning out your customers and keeping it sustainable, the money will come. As long as you're putting the value out there that people want to pay for and you keep it consistent, you keep it steady, and you support people, the money you come. It's just a byproduct. That's all money is. It's a byproduct of everything that we do. So if you're hitting people over the head and trying to get as much money out of them today as you possibly can, there's not going to be any left for tomorrow or for next month or for next year. Keep it sustainable. Create value, and the byproduct is money. It will come back to you. That's all you have to remember from this call. 
That's it, guys. You heard it here. Uh, Gina, I think we're running out of time, but I don't have the time on me. Are we good? We, Do we got need 60 to close up here? seconds left. I had a sense of that. Bob, where does everybody go to get in your sphere of influence? Uh, right now, uh, bobyeager.com. Yes, I do have my own name. I just got it after 12 years of fighting for it. <laughs> but um, nice. you can sign up on my newsletter there. Um, I have a nice Jesus video. Jesus is endorsing me today on my newsletter. <laughs> nice. Good endorsement. Yeah. yeah, so if you check out my newsletter page, you'll find Jesus there talking about me. Which it's is really it's cool. no Joel Com, but it's, it'll do fine. Yep. Um, if people want to... <laughs> sit down and have a nice free little call with me and Lee and help them work out their problems. We do it free all the time for folks. Um, they can go to monkhat, monkhat.com, M-O-N-K-H-A-T. There's just a little contact form there. You fill it out, sit down for 30 minutes. Most of the time we don't want to sell you anything because we don't want to work with you, which is really weird. We just want to help you with that one crucial problem that you got. helps us hone our skills and stay on top of the game. Awesome. Bob, thanks so much for our last-minute appearance today. That uh, really helped us out. Hey, no problem. You guys take care. Thank you, Bob. And we will be back same time, same place next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. Have a great week, everybody. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.